Welcome everybody back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 61. I'm your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm your truck driver on a supply chain lost somewhere in the middle of nowhere, Mike McKenna. Who extended their hours of service, parked on the side of the I road. Just, you know, I'm sitting here sleeping when I can and driving when I have to. <laughs> All right. Um, what are we going to do this week? We're going to begin with some polling. Yay. Some more polling, because we know we know that is the Can currency. Can never get too much polling. The currency of the politician is polling. In December 7th, Wall Street Journal inflation emerges as a key concern for voters, poll finds. Yeah. Majority of, majority of voters say inflation is causing them financial strain. Um. 56% of the new survey said inflation was causing them major or minor financial strain, including 28% who said they felt major pressures. A survey of 1,500 voters conducted November 16 through 22. More than 60% saying the economy was headed in the wrong direction. And about the same share rating it as good or as poor or not good. Some of the numbers from the survey. Some of the other numbers from the survey has um, Joe Biden falling in the polls yet again. More voters say they would back a Republican than a Democrat for Congress, 44 to 41 percent, if the election were held today. Some 41 percent approve of Mr. Biden's performance, with 57 percent disapproving, suggesting that the president's power to boost support for other Democrats as of now is limited so those were some of the some of the highlights of the poll any other interesting insights or tidbits from you sir yeah i thought that that is all incredibly boring and not the important part of the survey work at all the important part of the survey work is that um this is the first thing that uh the wall street journal's done with uh, tony fabrizio and john anzalone right um, one is a democrat the other's a republican i'll let you figure out which is which um the important part of the survey is is that um the Hispanics they surveyed look like everybody else, right? And and this is something I've been predicting for a number of years, right? That as, as um, the, the great delimiting factor, the great limiting factor, the great indicator is when um, folks speak English in the house instead of Spanish in the house. Hispanics start looking like everybody else as far as voting patterns, right? They're more predictive on the basis of income and education, gun ownership, and religious church attendance, right? Um, and this survey showed that, right, that the Hispanics um, in their survey were essentially um, same as everybody else, right? Republicans and Democrats, independents um, had the same general vibe on Biden, the same general split on Trump versus Biden, the same concern about inflation, the same kind of split on the economy. Um, so it was um, interesting and um, for that reason alone, and Anzalone, who's the Democratic uh, poll, uh, the pollster, right, the guy who did some uh, some work yeah, for yeah. President Biden. Quote, Latinos are more and more becoming swing voters. Yeah. They're a swing vote that we're going to have to fight for. Yeah, and that's right. And that's my whole point, right, is that is that this this whole idea of um, the Hispanics, which, by the way, is a term constructed by white folks, right? Um, nobody refers to themselves as Hispanic. Um the whole conception that Hispanics are going to become persons of color, both with respect to how they think about themselves and how they vote, is um, is and has been for at least 10 years now completely broken. And this survey is just another data point on it. it, it interesting stuff. Um, I encourage you to go to Wall Street Journal, read through it. Um, it's it's it, it, Like I said, interesting and of concern if you're a Democratic strategist who was planning on riding, um, you know, Hispanics to eventual glory and victory, right? Let me just throw some highlights out on the survey results. Um, one year after giving Democrat House candidates more than 60% of their vote, according to the polls at the time, the journal survey found that Hispanic voters, just to use the term they used, are evenly split in their choice for Congress. 37-37 said they would support Republican candidates, and 37% said they would favor the Democrat with 22% undecided. In a hypothetical rematch, 44% uh, uh, say they would back Biden and 43% say they would support Trump. Mr. Biden won 63% among Hispanic voters. 
nearly 30 points more than Trump, according to AP VoteCast. Yeah, I don't think that's right, by so, the way. I, I'm, I'm profoundly skeptical of, of all survey data now when it comes to Hispanics. I really am. I think I think it all has to be taken in concert, right, all together. No way that no way that um, President Biden won by thirty points, thirty five points among Hispanics. Just it's just that that's not conceivable. Yeah. Well, you could you can see that I mean, you can see that coming. It's been trending in that direction. Yeah, so. yeah it, it it's you know, you think it's this way in twenty twenty two, twenty twenty four is gonna be more complicated. I'm looking forward to it. Again, Greatest campaign of our lives is ahead of us, and it's going to be so much fun. Wow. I'm sorry, but you already you already said last week that uh, we're not going to see a rematch. So That's right. We're not. That's why it's going to be a great campaign. It's going to be something totally new and different. All right. Um, we want to get into this um, grand deal between Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer? Not really. I just want to um, say a couple of things about it, right? Um Senator McConnell has said over and over and over again that he was going to make the Democrats walk the reconciliation plank to get this debt ceiling. And then at the at the moment of truth, figured out he figured out a pathway that they could do it without doing reconciliation, right? Where all he needed was 10 Republicans to pave the way for a legislative change. Um, so thing number one, and I know the McConnell crew is well, going to argue that, hey, why don't we share what the deal was. Well, I have no idea right. what the deal is. It's, too, it's so complicated. It doesn't make any yeah. sense to anybody. Right. Well, the, theoretically, the deal is, is that if the... Just forget so about... According to the, according to the uh, Daily the Daily Mail, yeah. uh, it is a... Uh, that Schumer's adding a provision to a bill that delays Medicare sequestration cuts for three months that allows the debt ceiling to be raised Using a simple majority vote in this case, once so yeah. so a temporary suspension of the filibuster. Yeah, for one vote. Yeah, that's and, right. Assuming that ten Republicans vote for this, Medicare, yeah, they're gonna Medicare they're gonna deal. just out of just out of loyalty to to the senator, right? To Senator Majority uh, Minority Leader McConnell, right? But look, a couple of things about this, right? McConnell guys are going to argue we're going to make the Democrats um, vote for the debt ceiling all by themselves and give us a specific number. So we're going to go out on the campaign trail and run against that. Right. So it's a win. Right? But the Democrats pulled them off reconciliation. So it's clearly a loss in that respect. And then the second thing in which it's clearly a loss. And this is a conversation that came up um, recently among friends of mine. And I try to explain them. I try to explain to them as nicely as I could that um, the filibuster was a dead and dying animal, right? This is now a precedent to work around the filibuster in a different way. So you are seeing the slow, gradual, but um, persistent erosion of the filibuster. We are now um, watching it um, get get ripped up in 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 slow motion. Yeah. I so think... the other thing, the other thing to have in your mind about this, and this is the, this is sort of why I want to talk about it for a second. Um, Senator McConnell last week said, hey, we're not going to put out any kind of policy, right? Our big strategy and any kind of policy documents about what we're going to do. Our big strategy um, going into the 2022 elections is to do nothing. This is part of that strategy. And you know I have tremendous respect for Senator McConnell, but this is why most of the base now can't stand the elected officials because – they all think they're there to get the majority. The elected officials all think their big job in life is to get the majority and become committee chairman. And the base thinks, rightly or wrongly, that their job is to actually do stuff. And you have the the, the senior most elected official, elected Republican in the United States saying, yeah, we're not going to do anything. Our goal for the next year is to make no trouble and just sort of sail into the majority. And the great idea, the problem there is when you get the majority, you have no ability to do anything because you weren't for any for anything during the campaign. I'm super concerned about it, and I, I, I would not blame the 75% of the base that can't stand it if they just said, you know what, if there's no difference between you guys, why should we vote for you? Why should we vote for you instead of the other guy? Why should we just stay home and watch football or go deer hunting or whatever? It's it's the first of what I fear is going to be a year-long um, four-corners offense for the Republicans. It, it and, and the fact that 
the fact that he's probably going to get 10 Republican senators to go along with it tells you a lot, right? I'm willing to bet you right now none of the senators he gets to go along with it are up for re-election. That's probably right. That'll be the first tell that it's like a disaster electorally. Yeah. I think, though, the other the other thing that our folks need to understand is that the, the days of sort of pulling one over on the voters. That's over. Is just it's it's ridiculous. I mean, there are many, many more podcasts like ours that kind of explain well, this. There's stuff. none like there's ours. none quite there's none like, like ours, ours. But come on. Man. But the point is, is that there is enough information out there. And uh, it's just like that. That dust up with the ma- vax mandate. Yeah, man. With with Mansion. Yeah. Right. Like, well, I'm voting for this, but I'm signing up for that, which you know will get through the Senate, right. but then it won't pass the House. Right. And oh, by the way, Biden is going to veto it anyway, even if it's, if, yeah. if it did. So it's like when you could actually do something. Yeah. It, you didn't do something, but you you created the illusion that of doing you, something. You're, you're yeah, going to do something. That stuff's over. So. And you know the funny thing about this last thought on the McConnell thing. Um, no less, no less than Joni Ernst, Senator Ernst, when she was asked about it, you know, she's a reliable vote, you know, I don't want to say client, but she's a client state of the of the leader, right? Even she said, I got to think about this, which tells you right away it's a, it's a big stinky fish, right? I don't understand, like, they were already moving towards doing it on it's, reconciliation. It is once again snatching I mean, defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah, I'm like, about this, this is the, the stupidest time. thing. Okay, I get it totally. Senator McConnell's an institutionalist. Senator McConnell has lots of personal and professional do you know incentives. How we got, do you know how we got the filibuster uh, lifted for Supreme Court nominees? Yeah, Harry Reid did it. Well, he started with judges. Yeah. Just judges, not Supreme Court nominees. Yeah. And then it escalated to Supreme Court nominees. Yeah. This is this starts with one bill. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Look now, it, what's what? Why? You know, what, it's, what, a whole, it's a whole monkey see monkey. What do hold thing. does the minority have on Schumer doing a one, trying to do a yeah. one time deal? See, and what for di- the voting stuff. See, what differentiates me from everybody else on the Republican side of this conversation is, I believe, forget I believe, the filibuster. I am clear thinking that the filibuster is. A rule to protect senators. It does not protect voters. It protects senators because otherwise guys like Manchin and Tester and Senator Ernst would have to walk the plank and actually take votes on stuff and then we would know, right? It would be like the House. Then we would know and nobody would be able to hide behind stuff like, well, you know, I've got myself a, a legislative trick that's so complicated that even people who watch this stuff don't completely understand it. Um, like I said, Senator McConnell's got lots of personal and professional incentives to um, sail um, as as to glide effort as effortlessly as possible into majority leader. Um, but I think this time for what? Yeah, for what? For what? Well, for him. So that for he, him, he, so that he has to. So he can be majority twist leader. himself into knots to pass. So he end can, of the year spending bills, so that he, so so he can be right? majority leader, right? That's I get why it it, I get it. it it's it's Bill Clinton all over again, right? He wants to be president because he wants to be president, not because he has anything in particular he wants to do. And I'm, I think this time is coming to an end, and I'm very grateful that I've lived to see it, where this idea that hey, Republicans just want to you know hold the line, hold the line. Anytime a Republican tells you they want they want to hold the line, you should vote against that person. Because it, what they are telling you is, I have no intention of doing anything. Okay. Sorry. Uh, so, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, man. Although we already sort of know what's going to happen. Yep. Um, all right. So <clears throat> it's been a weird week. It's been a great week. The, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. <laughs> I think I know where we're going here. All right. Hang on. Let me play a clip and then we'll chat about this. Honestly, I would just can this whole bill. Don't pass it. That's my recommendation. What, what about what about the the support though for the charging network? I mean, there are there are parts of this bill. And, and, no. No, I mean, you know, do, do we need support for gas stations? Uh, we don't. So uh, there's no there's no need for this uh, for, for support for a charging network. I would delete it. Delete. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So Elon Musk is on our on our team on this one, huh? 
Yeah. Real I, refreshing stuff. I mean, I, suddenly he's a libertarian. What? <laughs> I, you know, I, I guess we should have predicted this because once you know, once he, once Ford and GM, once Ford and GM, start, you know, invested like twenty billion or thirty billion or whatever they announced, right? Once they both got in this game. All of a sudden, you know, he realized, hey, I can't match those guys on the of lobby course, side. But nor can he match them on and, the quality of the vehicle. Right, exactly. Right? I mean, and, his his product is a niche product. That's right. And, and right now, and, he is now and he gets, in the preservation of market share mode. That's right. And he gets tangled up with, you know, he gets tangled up with the, the union um, the union provisions of the of the extensions, right? Same as GM in a way. Um but he also gets tangled up on the charger side, right? Because he's got he's in possession of the largest actual charger, you know, on the ground network um, in the in the country, right? Um, perhaps not coincidentally, about a week and a half before the infrastructure bill passed, uh, Tesla announced that they were going to un um, unprivatize. They were going to they were going to make the chargers available to everybody, right? Um, Socialize the chargers, whatever. Anyway, it, it was interesting, and I thought those two things have to be related in some important way, right? He also knows that in charger network land, right, the utilities are going to build those chargers. Going to build the chargers because yeah, they're yeah, going to rate base it, right? Yeah, yeah, he's now he's now up against like yeah, really fairly large, large, well, well capitalized operations who have a lot of skill in in DC. Um, and the states, and the states, right? Yeah, utilities own the states. Uh, you know, if if you got a if you got a car factory in your state, you're you're very you're very sensitive to what they want. Um, it's kind of fun to watch how people's opinions about public policy change depending on whether they're goring somebody or whether they're getting gored. <laughs> well, right? let's not kid ourselves. The, the and the criticism is, of course, going to be that there haven't probably has not been a single person on the planet. He's who has great. benefited more from subsidization? He is the greatest. He is the greatest state, state, federal, and local level. He's the greatest gamer of of government subsidies in the history of the world. There's nobody even remotely close. Yeah, and by the way, uh, there's also I don't have the clip, but he he's threatening that um, SpaceX will will not meet its target for this rocket that they're yeah. that they're developing because yeah. they're hitting some productions or some some engineering snags. Yeah. And that it might mean SpaceX goes bankrupt. Well, hint, 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 nod, nod, federal government, if you still want us to play ball in this department, you might need to be taking yeah. a look at that. You, so you, you know what he doesn't understand? He doesn't understand that once this fight is joined, GM and Ford are not just going to restrain themselves and keep it like to the EV tax credit. They're going to go after him in all kinds of environments because they're going to view him as a competitor. And in a way, Jeff Bezos is going to go after him too because Bezos now views him as a competitor. He's he's collecting some pretty good-sized adversaries. I'm not sure how it's going to go for the next 10 years, but I bet you they're less good than the last 10 years have been. I have to say that uh, in spite of, of a few comments he's made recently uh, trashing the population control people and things like that, his little weird public spat with, with Wyden, yeah. et cetera, it, he's a little bit of an unhinged dude, man. <laughs> it's just interesting to watch. But I'll take his support on this one. As I'll take as many people as I can get yeah, on this one. I was going to say, anything that anything yeah. that exposes this thing is the fraud that it is, I'm in favor of. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, yeah. you know, even we're if it, in this situation because of him in large measure because of him. And yeah, that's yeah, interesting to see it sort of spinning around and biting him now. It's, so, it, it, and you know, the other part of this that that is not being discussed is he's he. This affects his ability to to build cars in other places around the sure. world, aka China. Yeah, right. So well, you know he's 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 going to ultimately be with us on China too. He has no choice. He's he's viewed he's viewed as a hero technocrat by by Americans. Americans are eventually going to turn against um, China's Chinese involvement um, in electric vehicles. He's going to have to be on the right side of that. Yeah, which actually leads to our next subject. Shock or a good lead which in? Is, what of the course, hell? China. Yeah. I want to play this clip relating to the situation with the Olympics. In our sports lead, the Chinese government is firing back after the Women's Tennis Association de decided to immediately suspend all tournaments in China amid concerns 
for the safety of tennis star Peng Shuai. The Chinese government says it rejects any move that, quote, politicizes sports. Meanwhile, just two months out from the Beijing Winter Olympics, the International Olympic Committee is taking a very different tact. The IOC spoke with Peng in a second video call this week, but would not release any clips from the call. Joining us live to discuss legendary sports broadcaster and CNN contributor Bob Costas. Bob, good to see you. Why have these approaches from these two powerful sports bodies been so different? Well, the IOC is in bed with China. Beijing hosted the Olympics in 2008, Summer Games. They did it in spectacular fashion, but even then it was apparent to many of us that the IOC was aiding and abetting a problematic regime, and then they go back for the Winter Games in 2022, and in between they staged the Winter Games in Sochi. It's very troubling, their affinity for authoritarian regimes. So it's pretty clear that in the video uh, interview with Pang uh, a week or so ago, they were just giving China cover. Um, it was pretty clear that it was coached and it was all a setup. Meanwhile, you've got not just the IOC, you got the NBA and you've got Nike and various individual sports stars in the United States who have significant investments in China where the sports market is huge. And some of those people are very outspoken, as they have a right to be, and maybe in general you and I would agree with their viewpoints, very outspoken and sometimes offer sweeping condemnations of their own admittedly imperfect country, the United States. But when it comes to China, perhaps the world's leading human rights abuser, given its size and its, and its wherewithal, their mom, very, very few have anything to say. In fact, some object to any criticism of China. Meanwhile, China Matt, pretty strong words. Yeah, man. Pretty strong words. And uh, did you see this? We didn't get to this last week, but I want to I want to play this as well because I want to tie it all together. Um, Ray Dalio. Yeah. Ray Dalio was um, interviewed on, I think it was MSNBC or not MSNBC, it was CN, what's that? CNBC. CNBC. And uh, he had some interesting choice words to, to describe his feelings about doing business in China. Well, one of the quick questions I just want to ask you on China, though, is clearly there's, there's human rights issues. Uh, there's questions right now about this Chinese tennis player, uh, Peng Shui. There have been questions about Jack Ma. How do you think about that piece of it when it relates to investing there? Well, I can't be an expert in those types of things. What I basically do, and I, for 50 years I um, uh, invest all over the world, I look uh, to whatever the rules are. The, if the government has a policy that I should do a certain thing and so on, but I can't be an expert in all of those uh, those particular dynamics of, of that. I'm, I really have no idea. They, um, so the guidance of the, you know, the government and is, you know, the most important thing. It's, um, these are political, it's like, and then I look at the United States and I say, well, what's going on in the United States and should I not invest in the United States because other things and not our own human rights issues or other things, you know, and I'm not trying to make political comparisons. I'm basically just trying to follow the rules, understand what's going on and, and invest uh, properly, but, but, but Ray, you, you recognize, I, I think that what's going on in the United States, and there are there look, there are things that happen in the United States that I don't agree with, that I imagine you don't agree with, but I think that those things are different than some of the things we see happening in China. People aren't, uh, the government isn't disappearing people, for example. Um, okay, look, you want to get into the policy of disappearing people, I'll, I'll give a little bit of a perspective of that, okay? What they have is an autocratic system. Um, and uh, one of the uh, leaders described it, he said uh, that uh, the United States is a country of individuals and individualism. Um, and, that's what it's, uh, and that's what it's about. He said in China, it's an extension of the family. He said, um, uh, if you look at the word country in China, it consists of two characters, state, family. And that has to do with confusion, and it's very much a top-down. And as a top-down country, 
what they're doing is that it's that kind of like a strict parent. They behave like a strict parent. That's, 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 okay. that's way too much. Look. Uh, okay. So, but, but let me think. He tried to clean it up this week and said he's deeply concerned about escalating escalation of conflict between the U.S. and China. I was, wasn't commenting on what I thought about the strict parent. I was commenting on what's autocratic and what's democratic. That's a lie. That's, a, that's a lie. That is a lie. That's exactly what I, he was doing. Yeah, I know. I understand. I, I love to fire you up, my friend. I love to fire Guys you Guys like up. Ray Dalio is why I hate rich people. I'm telling you we should have legislation to take every dollar after your first billion. Every dollar. All of it. And you know what? Almost everybody in America would be in favor of that. When, when a guy like Ray Dalio, who only could be a rich man in the United States, can't even defend the United States against, is, the, against the murderous, enslaving Chinese communists? What is wrong with that guy? Yeah, well, this is there. Herein lies He's a terrible the, the problem. It's a two way street, right? All these companies, all these guys want to and want don't want to be soft on China because. They, they think they can pull some of that money out of there. Too late. Right? One. And two, we buy a bunch of stuff that's made there. We do, and we shouldn't. You shouldn't buy so anything made in China. So the problem is not... Yeah, the problem the is... The problem is not here where we're focused on. It's what these... And the more that this stuff comes out... Yeah. The more people realize that corporate America today... Marco Rubio said it pretty, pretty eloquently. Yeah, he man. Said, we entered in. We we let China enter into the WTO, or or we opened up the doors for China because we thought capitalism could change China. But instead, what has happened is China has changed capitalism. Yeah. And between Special Kerry, who says it's not in his lane, see, guys like this. See, I don't think China, the don't, NBA, yeah, all this stuff, Disney, Apple. See, I, Nike. See, I don't. Two things, right? First off, first off, Bob Costas, A plus, absolutely. Right? And I guarantee you, fifteen years ago, Bob Costas wasn't there. But I think most Americans are getting there. And let me just disagree with Senator Rubio about one thing, right? And this is a tough thing for an American to say, but it's true. the The problem isn't that China changed capitalism. The problem is, is that China exposed American capitalists, some American capitalists for what they are. They are perfectly comfortable. That's a fair, that's a fair criticism and a, and a, they are, a nuance they are, that they I are, agree with. They are perfectly comfortable with vitiation of individual rights as long as there's a buck on the end of the string. I am telling you, we are heading or in a this... climate deal to be made, right? It doesn't matter. It's it's <clears throat> it's not about climate for these guys. It's about the money they no, can I'm make off about the deal. Kerry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not. Hey, Kerry doesn't care about the climate. He cares about the money to be made off whatever is going to happen. These plutocrats are going to be are going to be excluded from American society within 20 years. They just are. I hope capitalism doesn't go with them. But you know what? If, you're, if your class, if, you're, if your leaders, if your capitalist leaders can't figure out that slavery, torture, suppression of human rights, disappearing people isn't good and right, Jack Ma, then you, tennis lady. Jack Ma's one of them, for God's sake. He's <laughs> one like... of them. You know what? Maybe... No, I'm not going to finish There's that. No thought. amount of money in I'm the world not, save Jack Ma. No amount he... of money, yeah. And, and you know, if, eventually, um, hey, eventually, guys like Dalio and Tim Cook are going to wind up being shunned by normal people. And there's just no other way this is going to happen, right? Because they're going to tweet about it though on their iPhones. That's the problem. I'm okay right? with that. You know. I, I, don't, I don't look. I don't blame every Apple employee no, I... for Tim for Tim Cook being a, being a communist. Uh, excuse me. A sympathizer of communism. I don't blame everybody, in, you know, who's Ray Dalio's invested in that he's a terrible person. It's not their fault. Um, but I tell you this much: I would not trade places in front of St. Peter with any of these guys. Absolutely. Just just to refresh people, and this was um, BBC News. This was reported uh, a couple weeks on the BBC, thir thirty no November. A newly published cache of documents directly links top Chinese leaders, including President Xi Jinping, to the state's crackdown on Uyghur Muslims. The document includes speeches, 
which analysts say proved senior government leaders called for measures that led to mass internment and forced labor. Yeah, of course. Okay? And I mean, Marco that's... Rubio tried to include an amendment uh, on the NDAA. Yeah. On, on the uh, National Defense Authorization Act. Yeah. That was um, banning imports from Xinjiang where U.S. government and others, Chinese governments carrying up the genocide against the Uyghurs. Schumer was furious at Rub Rubio for delaying. The irony, the sort of absurdity and sadness of this is that if his amendment were on the bill, it would automatically kill the bill. Okay. What, does, then, that, what does that tell you about Queen the bill? And Nancy... What does that tell you about the bill? ...was asked about it, and, and she said, oh, well, you're basically parroting Republican lies, and, and no, you know, if you want to do that, fine, but nobody is... Uh, cares more about human rights than me well uh, if they cared about human lots, rights lots more people this care amendment about would have passed because it would have been in legislation that joe biden was going to sign instead schumer called it a poison pill so the good news is is that this isn't going away it's escalating new york times when you got guys like bob costas talking about it the, the, this is be going to become i'm tremendously a real excited. live I think, I think it has. I'm tremendously excited. The New York Times, for those of you who missed it, just wrapped a, a, three, a three or four special, a three or four story special report about cobalt mines in I was in the Democratic Republic of Congress. So well, the Times, the, cover is, of the Times, Times too, has actually so. been Times has actually been pretty good on the China question. They've had trouble crosswalking it to the climate side, right? Because they got 47 beat reporters on the climate yeah, side. Right, right. Um, I said something to you um, a couple of nights ago, and I will repeat it on the podcast. And that is this. This election that we are coming to, not this, not this 2022, but in 2024, this election is going to not be about, um, is not going to be solely about or even primarily about policies. This election is going to be about defense of America and the American way of life. And this thing with China, guys like Ray Dalio, guys like Tim Cook, guys like you and me, we're going to have to pick a side. Everyone is going to have to pick a side. You know, are you an American? Do you believe that this country is good and getting better, that it's the best hope for mankind, that it has been the best country on the planet for the last 200 years, that it still has much to give? Or are you one of these people like, we're done, we're over, Well, you know, it's, just, it's tricky because, you know, they have a lead system of, lead of government. We have a system of government. And, you know, if I were to, to criticize some of the actions of our country, maybe I wouldn't and invest that, here. And, and see, and that, Are you kidding me? Like, there is right. no there is Right, no like there's some comparison. No, 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 no. If, if you remember... The, 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 the ranting and raving... If of, you remember, about, we you know, actually... We um, initiated a, a federal police crackdown in Atlanta, right, where we suppressed human rights, closed churches, and jailed protesters. You remember that back when the Chinese were doing that in Hong Kong? Did we do that in Atlanta or was it New Orleans, right? And I mean, all of Oklahoma is one great big giant um, manufacturing facility run by slaves, yeah, right? Isn't absolutely. that it? And, absolutely. We, and we got... We got kids on the payroll digging cobalt out of mines in Minnesota, don't we? Yeah, all, all in the name of... of we dirt. are coming to a moment in this country, and I am so excited about it, and it's going to happen in I've, 2024. I've told my crew, you know, we've had these big picture discussions about like, yeah, man. what's going to be the thing that matters to you, and the ones who are younger than me said, this isn't my... This isn't going to be my problem. This is going to be your number one problem. The China issue sure, is man. going to be their number one problem, yeah, and it's, at some point, like you said, we got people got to have to get around this. We're going to pick sides, and we're going to pick sides right now. And you know, the great thing is, we're going to win. It's just a question of how long it's going to take and who, us, and who goes down in the process, right? Well, I know two guys who I hope <laughs> you don't, don't say who they are. We don't have our liability insurance. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. You know, I'm, right. re I'm really, I'm not really sure about where you could invest. You know, where you wouldn't wind up well, with slaves and child labor and I'll just put torture. It this and, way, I, yeah, maybe Jack Ma deserved it. He, we don't know that, right? This is the same kind of stuff people were saying about the Russians in the <sighs> 30s, 40s, and 50s. Just remember that, ladies and gentlemen. Same, 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 same. Okay. Um, real quick. Real I want to I want to talk about the the utter sheer ridiculous hypocrisy of this situation. Yes. 
We'll read from a Bloomberg article. U.S. wants Nord Stream 2 halted if Putin invades Ukraine. The U.S. will push Germany to agree to stop the contested Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline if President Russian President Vladimir Putin invades Ukraine, according to documents seen by Bloomberg and people familiar with the plans. Joe Biden, President Joe Biden's administration is seeking a commitment from the new German government that it would halt the project under such circumstances. One of the people said, blah, 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 so on and so forth. It, you know, Joe Biden is the guy who green-lighted seriously. the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. I mean, it was already stopped. You know, I mean, And he proactively turned it back on by lifting the sanctions on the shell companies, quote-unquote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, come on. I have no problem with Nord Stream 2, to be honest with you. The Germans want to do it I know you fine. don't. I don't. But I, what I don't understand is if you really cared about Ukraine, there's something simple, simple you could do. We could do it tomorrow morning. We can— Import more LNG. No, not that. I'm talking about something even simpler than that. Just what he should have said on the phone call with Putin this week was, hey, you know what? Not that I'm not done talking to you and not that I'm tired of this, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to put six companies. I'm going to put um, I'm going to put an armored battalion in Ukraine, right? United States Army. And we're going to have training exercises with those guys. And we're just always going to have training exercises with those guys, right? And if you want to invade, you're going to have to take the risk that you might kill some American soldiers. And at that point, things are going to get real. You know, all the shadow boxing would be over right away. All of it would be over. Think about Korea. What do we got? 20,000 guys in Korea, top end? They can't stop a North Korean invasion. <laughs> just, I'm sorry, but... <laughs> just. It's ridiculous. But let me, we've had intensive discussion, oh, discussions with both the outgoing and incoming German governments on the issue of Nord Stream 2 in the context of a potential invasion. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. After the call, describing the pipeline as leverage for the West. I mean, you can't. You like, can't make, make this, this stuff up. You can't. Make this I stuff keep up. saying that a lot lately. It's I'm like you can. tough talk from the NSA. It, 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 it's super, like I said, super easy. Put it, even you know what? Even if you just put two rifle companies and say, "Hey, we're going to have training," it would it would, we'd be done. And I get that you're not as like spun up. On I'm not spun up line. about Nord Stream Two. But I why really is it so important to, to Russia? Why is Nord Stream Two important yeah. to Russia? Because it gives them access to sell a bunch of natural gas. It allows them to bypass Eastern Europe. So what? Right? They're allowed to. So Look, that they can. Here's so my, that they, here's the they thing. They can further keep them dependent on their gas. Who cares? You know, if if Eastern Europe doesn't want to be dependent on Russian gas. They could always do something simple. Get rid of the uh, puppet leaders in there that, that are basically or, dancing gas yeah, pump string. Yeah, That's I was going to say, one of them. they could drill for their own gas. It's not they complicated. You know what? Right. Here's the deal. If you want to um, if you want to be an independent country, you should be an independent country. Yeah. All of Lithuania and, is. You know, we are not. I know this is going to shock everybody, but, the, but the United States is not actually responsible for guaranteeing the independence of everybody on the planet. I, I, you got to defend I, yourselves, guys. I, mean, yeah, I just love the, the ridiculousness yeah. of the tough talk and, about a pipeline of course it's, it's, that was already, in essence, sanctioned until he lifted the sanctions well, you know, on said pipeline. Because America's back, and you know, we want to send a signal to our allies. In all fairness, you know, we, it, we're, we're, back in, we're back on the scene. Okay, in all fairness, this is an administration full of pajama boys. I mean, you look at these guys, you know, it, to borrow from my very good friend, um, Jay-Z. <laughs> they would not, in fact, bust a grape in a fruit fight. I mean, that's just the bottom line on these guys. You look at Jake Sullivan, you're like, Jake, you ever thrown a punch? You ever taken a punch? Have you even had a shot in a bar with a guy you didn't know? And the answer to all those questions is, of course not. That would be ridiculous. Why would I do such a thing? All right, you want to go on to I got one that's No, I, want, I got one that's not on the list. I just have to play it because it's uh... – it's, it's really annoying. It's so juicy. It's so annoying. And, Let's have and, it. All right. I'm going to play it. I'm not even going to comment on it. I'm just going to let our audience marinate. <laughs> okay. Do you think that this is about making you a scapegoat to deflect of course. from President Trump? Of course. You have to be asleep not to figure that one out. Well, there are a lot of Republican senators uh, taking aim at this. I mean, That's okay. I'm just going to do my job. And I'm going to be saving lives, and they're going to be lying. It seems another layer of danger to play politics around 
matters of life and death. Exactly, exactly. And to me, that's, that's unbelievably bad because all I want to do is save people's lives. I mean, anybody who's looking at this carefully realizes that there's a distinct anti-science flavor to this. So if they get up and criticize science, nobody's going to know what they're talking about. But if they get up and really aim their bullets at Tony Fauci, well, people could recognize there's a person there. So it's easy to criticize, but they're really criticizing science because I represent science. That's dangerous. To me, that's more dangerous than the slings and the arrows that get thrown at me. And if you damage science, you are doing something very detrimental to society long after I leave. It's true. He does represent science. <laughs> he won that district with like 63% of the vote last go around. <laughs> That's it. You uh, know what's going to happen. Don't say right? anything else. You about know it. what's going to happen. Yeah, right? but, uh, what's going to happen is the week after the Republicans take the House, oh, he's going to announce his retirement because two days after McCarthy or whoever it is gets sworn in or gets anointed as Speaker, there's going to be a series of hearings. Right. Yeah, They're going to do real hearings. I wish there wouldn't be, but yeah, I'm afraid yeah. there's going to so be. So he's out. Like, it, it, it's so okay. he's shooting like, I mean, the earlier in the clip, he just basically called Rand Paul jackass, right? So I can see where he'd be upset. Yeah, you know, doctor, yeah. doctor. Do- God forbid that, you know, well, you, you attack me because I represent science. Well, Dr. Paul, who is in fact a practicing doctor, unlike Dr. Fauci, um, Dr. Paul caught him lying to Congress, right? I mean, it, it. If you wanted to be, if you want to be technical about it, he called him lying <laughs> yeah. to Congress. So Tony from Bensonhurst is not having a good day. Anyway, onward to another. Com- All right, onward to another comrade. So a final update on our beloved comrade Komarovsky. <laughs> the White House is from. Uh, let's go with the. Uh, this one from the New York Post. Biden's radical bank regulator picks Sule Amarova withdraws nomination. They got her name wrong. <laughs> Comrade Kamarovsky. Uh, here's the thing, though. Uh, while no Democrats only spoke out against the nominee, <laughs> John Tester, Kirsten Sinema, Warmer voiced reservations behind the scenes about her making her craziness unlikely. Um, and of course. They pulled in the John Kennedy quote. I don't know whether you call you professor or comrade. Go with comrade, John. Go right, with comrade. So, so let me, but here's the thing. Let me read from the White House statement on this. Uh, please do, man. Because I, you know, okay. I, I, I did not get the original on this one. Right, guys were reporting. read from the White House statement. I've accepted Suleyamarova's request to withdraw her name from nomination for the OCC. I'm, I'm, I'm shortening here. I nominated Suli because of her deep expertise in financial regulation, her longstanding respected career in the fi- private sector. She's a professor at Cornell. The public sector and as the leading academic in the field, she has lived the American dream, escaping her birthplace, so on and so forth. But here, here we go. As for, unfortunately, from the very beginning of her nomination, Suli was objected was subjected to inappropriate personal attacks. Inappropriate that were far beyond the pale. <laughs> really? I'm thankful to Chairman Brown for giving her a fair hearing and the op- opportunity to demonstrate her qualifications. Were the inappropriate personal attacks the words, her very words? I'm fairly confident. Her very writings? I'm fairly confident. She her never... very tweets? Were those the words? I think so. And the inappropriate personal attacks? She's the one who said she wanted to bankrupt oil and gas companies, <laughs> not us. She's. A... Yeah, I, so I'm you fairly... never did get to write your column. I never you? did. Maybe I'll get to it next week. I, I will point out two things, right? I don't think she ever did cough up her thesis despite being asked for it three or no, four was, times. By Pat it was Timmer. purged. Yeah. You, you um, heard that right. The, the the university does not have a record of it, that, much like Hillary Clinton's thesis on Saul Alinsky somehow disappeared from the record books. Here's your only two choices, right? You're being you're being lied to, or they didn't do a thesis. Possible, right? Um, anyway, I wanted to say one thing about Comrade Komarovsky because there was some confusion about it earlier this week. Comrade Komarovsky was, of course, a character in the Russian novel Doctor Zhivago. Um, he was the only character who made the transition successfully from um, Romanov Russia to Bolshevik Russia. He survived, at least for the first 10 or 12 or 15 years of Bolshevik Russia, right? Played by Wright Steiger in the movie. 
um, one of my favorite characters of all time because he he would be were you to drop the character into um, 2020 America, he would be heading up a lobbying group here in town. <laughs> <laughs> so Comrade Komarovsky, I'm very sorry to see you go. That's that's one thing. The second thing, excellent is, movie by the way. Yeah, excellent movie. Uh, great. We tried to subject book. our children to it because one of our children's name is Lara. Spelled L-A-R-A. I recommend them. And they, you know where they, we lost them? The 10-minute musical intro Why? at the beginning of the Laura's movie. theme. <laughs> they were like, when does the movie start? That's I feel like we watched the whole movie already. <laughs> it's probably a little bit much for the kids. Um, yeah. It's probably a little bit much for the kids. But but, but we'll have our four, our 14-year-old. Maybe she'll, she'll get into it. I guarantee sure. you that we are now going to have, since since since. The White House was unapologetic about the um, process here, right? The, the, the better thing to say would have been, hey, we had a hiccup on the process. We're sorry. Um, but they said, no, you know, we're going to give you more communists. So we're going to get more communists. Well, we already have one in line, right? Cordray. Uh, Cordray. Cordray. So. Richard. He's not Richard an out-and-out out communist. He's just a – he's sort of pinky. I guess not, the, not the ready. translation is – Listen, we're not going to stop until we get at least one communist. That's right. We're going to get one communist. You're not going to give us. You're not going to give us the OCC. We're going to. We're going to put somebody go somewhere after else. Somebody else. It's a classic. So. All right. What else you got? All right. Well, uh, everyone knows, of course, um, that uh, we've lost one of the great Americans. But before we go to that, are we going to close on that? Yeah, we are going to close on. Then, that. before we close on that, I want to remind everybody: if you've enjoyed this, please subscribe or whatever the young hip kids do on these things. Uh, write a review for us. And if you didn't like it, send us an email and make it juicy because, you know, I, it's not uncommon that I get death threats off what I write at a time. So um, I will note that we have not talked about sports in a while. So I'm happy to talk about sports, but I wanted to avoid the Bills given their somewhat questionable performance on Monday Night Football. <sighs> Sorry about that. Um, and I'm happy to. Um, They're going to turn it around. I got a feeling. I'm happy to point out that we're now headed towards a Super Bowl that involving the Cowboys and the Patriots, which approximately no one can be in favor of, and a national championship set up between Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, and Cincinnati. Again, no one can possibly be in favor of any of those four teams. So yeah, I'm kind of rooting for Cincinnati. They haven't been around. Cincinnati's anymore. the obvious choice. Yeah. They'll probably be out in the. Midway through the second quarter of the first game, right? Um, Comrade Komarovsky is very happy that we have Georgia, Alabama, and Michigan because, you know. But she does have, like, she would have had equal pay, however, if she got the job. So Everybody in the camps has equal pay, Tom. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Anyway, review. Review. I want to thank all of our listeners, but I especially want to send a a nice um, shout out to Hillary, um, who was um, especially gracious this week and uh and a wonderful Mary- wonderful event hillary thank and you a, and, a, and um, thanks for inviting us yeah um anyway yeah i just I, a couple comments senator dole um you know we had our tuss- tusslings on the hill occasionally sure, when i was working a, on the house side um and you know th- there was occasional areas where we diverged in terms of uh, some of his feelings about certain energy issues but set all that aside this was a man who cared deeply, deeply about this country, who cared and spent hours, countless hours, making veterans on an individual basis feel welcome, feel feel respected, feel honored. And we all know part of the reason for that, right? Um, he never stopped serving, even when he was a lobbyist. And um, I just uh, I just want to say that uh, we're, we're deeply uh, appreciative of, of his contributions to this country, both as a serviceman and as a statesman. So, can I tell a quick story before you run the? Of course, Busy? yeah. So, we were working on something together in the ADA campaign, and uh, had been together, you know, in various configurations for on and off for ten days, right? And um, he. Um, I was very respectful because I was a child, right? I was a kid. Um, Senator Dole, Senator Dole, Senator Dole. He, uh, he finally stopped. He said, hey, you can call me Bob. Everybody else calls me Bob. You can call me Bob. <laughs> Including himself. And call himself and Bob. Just, remember, Bob Dole. You know, he was 65 at that point, and I was 25. And I said, Senator, I certainly appreciate that. But, that isn't how I roll. But, right? but if 
My mother caught me saying, calling any 65-year-old by their first name. She would beat me with a rod, is... and I would deserve it. And and he just – I just remember at that moment thinking two things. One, very kind of him to do that. And two, it was the most ridiculous request I've ever received from anybody because there's just no earthly way it could possibly happen. Yeah, and I do want to um, also say uh, that I know my sister is going to be hurting uh, because of this. She's been serving uh, – as his personal aide for many years now. And um, she's probably super busy right now with all the stuff going sure, on. Man. But uh, when you're ready to, you know, when you're ready to just let it out, let me know and we'll go out to dinner and, and have lots of wine and talk yeah. about them all night long. So one last connection that this, this program has to Dole, right? I did the, I did a turn as a fellow at the Dole Institute at the university of Kansas. One of the few things professionally that I've done that I'm actually pretty proud of. Very good. Yeah. So, um, I combed through the archives to see which one sort of what I could play, uh, what I could uh, as a tribute to him in his own words. And I just pulled this excerpt from his presidential run. Um, I was moved by some of the stories about when he was wounded personally and, and how he described the situation. But I didn't want to, like, get get us down that far. Uh, so anyway, I'll play this, and we're going to roll out right afterwards. Let us remember that America has been the greatest force for good the world has ever known. I was reminded of that on the 50th anniversary of D-Day last summer, when the eyes of the world were focused on the beaches of France. I was there and witnessed the emotion as memories came flooding back. Memories of the heroism, the sacrifices and pain men and women suffered. Before visiting France, I traveled to Northern Italy, where I served in the 10th Mountain Division. And while revisiting the battle sites, I thought about why we had been sent there, about the America of our youth, the America we were risking our lives to protect, and about our hopes for the generations who would follow us. And then I thought about the America we live in now, and America still great and still the beacon of freedom around the world, but an America that is headed in the wrong direction. And standing there gazing across those now peaceful fields, I thought of why it is critical to have a president who knows what made America great and what has been sacrificed to keep us free. And it would do all in his power to lead America back to her place in the sun. 